Hey, it's Dan Harmon from Harmontown. I want to tell you about an exciting new podcast coming to Feral Audio called Launch Left. Rain, Phoenix, and Moon Zappa are going to interview extraordinary minds, mavericks, and pioneers in their fields. This season, Launch Left is going to celebrate nonconformists like Michael Stipe, Shepard Ferry, Spike Jones, Mario Batali, and many others. And those guests are also going to spotlight their favorite left-of-center emerging artists. So listen and subscribe now at feralaudio.com slash left, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can do it however you want, man. That's the nonconformist part. Guys, finding quality denim jeans is tough. And to find a good pair without breaking the bank is just uh, almost impossible. But at Distilled, spelled D-S-T-L-D, you get like brand top quality jeans at a price that won't break your bank. And I know I said break the bank, but I like saying break the bank. And I'll say it again. Break the bank. But just go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D. LD.com right now and use a promo code FERAL and check out and get a 20% discount on your first pair. And these are great jeans. I love them. I wear them all the time. Heck, I sleep in them. Distilled jeans. They're the best jean you're ever going to wear. In fact, I shower in them. Distilled jeans. D-S-T-L-D. They're good quality, super duper denim. And, you know, it's not going to cost you like $200 or $100. Go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D.com. Do it. Get some jeans. Look cool. Feral Audio. Hello, and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. Uh, if you haven't listened to uh, conversations with Matt Dwyer before, uh, it is just what the uh, title there implies. I have a chat with somebody, and uh, it's usually somebody very fascinating, often legends in music, art, uh, literature, uh, or civil rights lawyers. I've had a pretty eclectic uh, grouping of people. If this is your first time listening to the show, please peruse and, and see some of my prior guests, especially if you're a music or literature fan. Um, today's guest is goddamn awesome, and I'm really uh, thankful that he did my show. And I may have to say it's probably easiest, easily the, the funniest show I've had. It's uh, Dan Harmon. If you don't know who Dan Harmon is, First of all, you probably live in a cave, but he created the television show Community, as well as Ricky and Morty uh, there on uh, the Cartoon Network, uh, the Adult Swim thing there. I'm sitting in a hot kitchen, and it's really, it's like 90 degrees in my apartment, and I'm four hours of sleep, so like the simplest of words like the and car are like I'm talking about physics. So it's really, this intro is a goddamn struggle. Um, but I am slipping Adele's Pale Ale, um, which, I, by the way, was not a plug because they do not support my show. I do have, if you go to thematdwire.com, though, I do have a uh, craft beer thing. You can get a beer of the month thing, and I get a kickback of the sales, or the Feral Audio does, and I used to help support the show. So check that out at thematdwire.com. Uh, Matt Dwyer, and it's, it's weird because I've been in the business of show for like 20 years, and most of my friends have had websites for five to ten years, and I just got one a couple of months ago, and I feel weird about it. Like, I don't know if it's just this Irish Catholic working class garbage that I've carried around with me my whole life, or, like, I pretty much should have, you know, by my family's expectations, I should have just 
learned how to work with uh, something greasy and a wrench, and I would have, you know, that's what the road I should have been went down. So anytime I'm like self-promoting, I feel I feel terrible. Uh, and you know, my girlfriend does a lot of photos for my show, and she's an incredible photographer. So uh, I just, but anytime, it's never like, I can't see the beauty of her art. I just see that now I have tits. <laughs> it's like, that's, I just, I look at pictures of me and I'm like, oh, you used to have uh, cheekbones and, and be semi-attractive. And now you, uh, all your shirts are stretched out by your, your gut and tits. Uh, I, my, my man breasts have gotten to the point where I don't need a laptop for masturbating assistance anymore. I could just go to the mirror and look at my own tits and masturbate to those. That's where m my body is at in in the world. Um, but like I'm master, it's masturbating to a pregnant woman because I got a beer belly or something. But it's the good life. I have a great girlfriend, and so we cook and eat and drink a lot, and uh, that's really what life is about. I mean, if I had if I had like tight abs, I'd hate myself. I mean, not that I'm like. A big fan of myself, but I'd just be like, who, like, bleh, you're a, you're one of them dicks with a puka shell necklace. But, uh, getting back to Dan Harmon, it's a really great episode. He, um, I, I just, I was a fan and respected Dan Harmon a great deal before recording this, and I, it jumped tenfold. I think there's, so much in this fucking episode and actually this episode will air and then when i this episode is up in the world i will be in astoria oregon uh where I, we're doing uh conversations with matt dwyer road trip and i'll be recording people between los angeles california and astoria oregon uh, a lot of artists and whatnot so it would be it's gonna and then what we plan to do with these episodes is they'll go up on feral audio and then on my website the com, uh you can There'll be a whole world. There'll be photos and video and possibly additional audio and and blogging. There'll be a lot of blogging uh, that will be had uh, to give a whole world to these people that I will be meeting and talking to. It's going to be really fucking great. And I just want to say real quick, if you can go to my Feral Audio page, the Conversations with Matt Dwyer page there... And use my Amazon link. Put that in your toolbar. Just go to the, click on that. Put that in your toolbar. Anytime you purchase bullshit in the world, be uh, buy some community DVDs or uh, some books or your underwear and bras and cleaning stuff. And Feral Audio gets a cut of that money. It will help us out so much. Very simple thing to do. It's not even you donating money. That's you buying bullshit for yourself. And supporting us. That's not a lot to ask. Is it? I did. This is my 103rd show I've done free. Two years of work for free. So that's a small thing. Buy yourself some bullshit. Um, all right. Well, I'm just uh, going to. The heat is getting to me. I'm about to collapse. I'm sweating profusely in my kitchen. So uh, why don't we just get to the Dan Harmon conversation. Thank you for listening. Here's Dan Harmon. What city is that on the uh, glass on your on your drink? It says Gary Bricks Ramp Restaurant Lounge. I, it doesn't. I don't see a city. Oh, I thought I, I saw. I see palm trees I, in the. 
Oh, I think the skyscape. I meant. I thought maybe that was. Uh, I thought it was just a city. Doesn't matter. I thought maybe it was your hometown. No, this glass is in a cabinet here. All right. It's not, it's not personal to me. <laughs> it's probably from the last company that was here. There was like a tax tax shelter. What do you call it? Like an H and R block kind of company here. Oh, yeah. That that failed with the <laughs> when we moved into the building. There was like there was all this like tax stuff <laughs> laying around. It's, it's, like, it's a real sign of the times that the 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 company that that knows best how to negotiate finance and government was like collapsing as we moved into this <laughs> building. There's like all these like inspirational posters and garbage bins, like 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 an eagle oh. flying, and it says perseverance, and then it's just like in a box, like with a bunch of other shit. That's fucking incredible. <laughs> um, are, have we started? Oh, that's all that all that magic's on there. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm I don't know if this is a weird way to start, but I'm like very interested in the fact that you grew up in Milwaukee. Oh yeah. Well, you you better jump on that because maybe <laughs> first and last person that really that's interested in that. Well, because I because I'm a Midwesterner as well, and like I know a lot of the people I knew in Chicago were started in Milwaukee, so it always seemed like a hotbed for people to get their chops uh is that totally out of maybe do, do do we need to close these windows speaking of milwaukee uh, harley davidson just rode by here in burbank um uh the i i felt like people from chicago would come to milwaukee to uh practice stand-up and stuff like that in a world of lower stakes like <laughs> where there was more maybe more a couple more open mics they could go to that they could they could easily get into or something i remember there were comics that would come down from chicago and up from chicago i mean um and and cut their teeth in milwaukee but i didn't i don't think milwaukee was like a breeding ground for <laughs> i guess a lot of the guys i knew from wisconsin i mean like farley came because you also went to marquette and there was the arc there which became the onion right and then brian stack and all those guys and then there was a lot of stand-ups that came down to, that became a part of the chicago scene that were like always every time i met somebody i was like oh these guys are all fucking great yeah madison uh I, yeah but i don't know where those guys are coming from i don't think farley was ever ever lived in milwaukee but i know he was in madison yeah because uh, I know he tried out for Madison Comedy Sports. I had heard that at one point. And, and that's, you got your start in comedy sports as well? Uh, yeah, in Milwaukee. Is it? Uh... Which is the headquarters of comedy sports. It was oh, is the it? Founding city. Because there's always was like a weird, I don't want to say tension, but in between improv camps, which I thought was strange. I think that well, that makes sense to me. That if you're if you're into theater sports, for instance, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna think comedy sports is full of shit. That's for sure, um, because theater sports, I believe, as it goes, was developed by Keith Johnstone, uh, yeah. and was nonprofit and was something that you know was purist. And comedy sports was started by my 
my boss, Dick Chudnow, which was really just theater sports with a with a ticket price slapped on it and, and a trademark and stuff. Um, uh, not to undercut its value too much, but but I mean, when you call your thing the same thing with a different word on the front of it, I don't think you can be too proud. <laughs> like it was theater sports, but it was with the theater, you know, swapped out, and it was like we you know sell T-shirts and popcorn and stuff. And um, so I, I think yeah, and I, so I think if you're an improv purist, you're gonna look at that and go like, well, that's not good. You can't you can't look at that and like. I don't know. You're always going to have this kind of instinctive enmity. And I think that UCB people train differently than IO people. And they probably have to think unless you're, I know that I also think, don't think anyone's going to hit anyone in the head with a gazelle femur over it. But I think that your first instinct, if you've spent $500 on a workshop and you hear that the people down the street are doing it slightly differently, um, your instinct is going to be to justify why you spent the money and the time where you spent it. Yeah. And that what you're doing is is the right way. It was just weird because in Chicago, it was like Second City looked down on comedy sports. Uh, Improv Olympic looked down on Second City. <laughs> it was like this feeding chain of everyone thinking each other sucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I th- And I'm pretty sure comedy sports was well towards the bottom, if not on the very bottom, because the truth – well, and one of the reasons being comedy sports was like really – it was not driven by okay. Mike Myers did this, so you should do it too. It was le- much less driven by the workshop aspect of it. Much more driven by the filling seats with asses thing. Yeah, and it was like started in Milwaukee, and we were very proud of the fact that we would have two hundred people um, coming four nights a week to to watch us do the same jokes about Jello because they would keep yelling out Jello because <laughs> they. they and, but, but it was like it was working man's competitive improv you know and we were we we fell back on that blue collar pride like 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 yeah we're doing this for real people and it's like not easy and it's like doing reps at the gym you know we're we're, we're, we may not be doing uh uh artful improv but we're doing strong fast (laughs) (laughs) did you have were you from a blue collar background yeah, I mean, com- yeah, I mean, my my dad was uh, he didn't he didn't lift shit for a living, but <laughs> he also didn't go to he went to a technical college and he worked his way up through a film lab and uh, like he we we had a we had a blue collar sensibility. I think everybody in Milwaukee does. There's not a lot of like, uh, like. Uh, ownership class in Milwaukee. <laughs> you, you, I think you'd go to the next city. It was just weird because it seemed in the Midwest that comedy was more of a blue-collar thing to do, which I always thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. Which, I mean, that always... that that I guess that's I guess that's ingrained in me. I always felt like, yeah, like, your the audience is your boss, and the audience, if, they, if they're willing to watch comedy... It's not because they're patrons of the arts. It's because they're tired, <laughs> because they need a break, <laughs> uh, and, and they're 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 more important than you. Because if they didn't like you know do manual labor during the day, the lights in this building where you're rehearsing your dumb theater games wouldn't be on, and you would not have that job because you're spending the same way a, a politician should be ashamed of themselves because. <laughs> 
they're they're living on taxpayer dollars. If you're a performer, you're living on a different form of tax, which is like people's need to be pacified by entertainment. And you should be really grateful that, that you're you got that politician job, you know, that you're like, oh, fuck, say, thank God. I don't have to lift a box because the guy that lifts a box, he's willing to buy eight dollar tickets to come see me fuck around. Yeah, it's interesting. You said the audience is more important than you because a lot of that's a not a lot of performing or performers have that point of view. I think that that's for the same reason that, that a lot of men uh, can be incredibly misogynist uh, because of how afraid they are of women. I mean, because of how important women's opinions are. I think that if you talk to stand-ups, they use vernacular like, like I fucking killed that audience. Fuck, fucking, they fucking gave it to me. You know, and they have that kind of like, you learn to worship what you fear and like kind of dance with it. And I think that if you get on stage for a living, it's easy to fall into a culture of, well, they're a bunch of idiots. Give me what, give me what I came for. I, I fucking ruled or you ruled me. And there's, you know, we're not cooperating. We're not collaborating. And it, it all comes from fear, which comes from respect. It's all the same. It comes from, it's worship. It's fear. It's like, the the difficulty is like you can't it's fine to have that mythology if that's what gets you out of bed but you can't i think personally you have to remember that that you're doing this to make people like you (laughs) otherwise i mean what a fraud if you if you you cannot get in front of a camera or on a stage and talk into anything that amplifies your voice and simultaneously for too long pull off the illusion that you don't care what other people <laughs> think about you that's insane now I, I, to qualify that i think what we all learn is that in order to be entertaining you have to uh, you p- the people that are watching you they need to feel like you don't care they need to feel like you you they don't want to watch a guy watch them they want to watch a guy Spin plates, tell jokes, juggle pickles like they and the best pickle juggler like, you know, he makes it look easy. He makes it look like he doesn't really care that the audience is there. But of course, you know, you that entails knowing that the audience is there, dying a million times, juggling your pickles, getting so comfortable and so many permutations of pickle juggling that that (laughs) the 50th audience that watches you do it gets to watch this guy that's like, wow, it's like it's kind of like I'm not even here, but right. This guy's really the best pickle juggler. $50 a ticket. See, that also seems like a very Midwestern thing is like a lot of a lot of Midwestern performers I've noticed, like if they're kind of if it's not going their way, their attitude is more like fucking work and fight and get it. Opposed to where a lot of people I've seen, especially when I moved here, were like, fuck you. I think that's accurate. I think that if if you're in L.A. and you're on stage and you're dying, I think that if you didn't come from a place, a city whose economy is driven by forklifts, I think that you it's going to be a little easier for you to go, ugh, the fucking big fish the room the the, the, the the titty hawk or whatever you know whatever club whatever bar is having open mic uh, that fucking place sucks you know they should uh, I, I don't even want to do comedy there anymore it's fucking bullshit and, and I, i'm not saying that's wrong i just think that it's easier to say that i think if you grew up in maybe berkeley or 
<laughs> San Diego or something than it is to if you worked if you if you grew up in a port city where most of the people had to work uh, you know like loading shit on and off of trucks and then the, the, that was your audience because I, I think it's just chances are your 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 dad or your mom like kind of was when you chose to do comedy was pro- probably there's a little tinge of like all right but you better be fucking good <laughs> i was terrified what was i mean to tell my parents i was terrified but what was yeah what led you up to being like yeah that's i could fuck, i can do this it was it was the other way it was it was i tried everything else until i couldn't stand it anymore i i thought i I always thought that being on stage and and writing too, I always thought those things were were shameful, pretentious, indulgent, easy things to do. Who doesn't want to who doesn't want to fuck around for a living? <laughs> who doesn't want to be a radio DJ or a or a juggler or a clown or a you know it's like these jobs that sound cool acting pretensies on stage <laughs> like and getting money for it oh yeah would would that we could all do that so you don't consider that like the thing you're supposed to say you want to do when you grow up so I I, I was always good at writing so I my Midwestern mind said okay what's a professional writer do? Um, so I backed into journalism. I was like, okay, that's as close as lifting shit as I can get <laughs> while writing. Like I'm going to, I'm going to be like, sure. Sorry. I'm going to be like the characters on Lou Grant. I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll have a deadline and I'll, I'll pound at something and I'll have a hat that I wear that says press on it and I'll muckrake politicians and I'll, I'll create justice and, um, that'll be the thing I do. And maybe in the meantime, I'll write like the great American novel, but I'll, I'll smoke while I do it. And it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll be a real writer. And I got, I, I, that's something I can go to college for. That's something I can label and name and major in. Um, and it was it, in the meantime, the whole time, ever since, you know, middle school, I was always, I always just enjoyed the thing that came the easiest, which was dicking around, making people laugh, talking about myself, um, and I was still doing that at night when I went to college to major in journalism. I was going out every night and doing stand up and uh, improv and all this stuff. That's where all my friends were. That's where all the people I understood were. And I, I had to just like finally get that first F in English class <laughs> uh, and 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 write that first article for the college newspaper that sucked, you know, and that I didn't want to make better because it didn't matter if it was better or not. I had to like really finally be confronted with the pointlessness of my supposedly practical career goals in order to say, oh, I think I need to just do the stuff that's making me happy. I guess I got to call my mom and say, I'm dropping out of college to do stand up. <laughs> How'd that land? She was, she was great about it. She thanked me for giving everything else a shot. And she couldn't help but point out that if I had made this decision two weeks prior, uh, it would have saved her probably $8,000 in tuition. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cause it was like right a couple days into the second semester of my freshman year. Uh, but my mom, maybe she did 83 things wrong. Who knows? And she was, you know, but, but she, she did one of the most important things, right? Which she always told me 
whenever I said, what should I do? Should I do this? Should I do that? She always said, you can do whatever you want. And, and I knew that it was important to my family that I go to college um, because they, we, was, we all came from poor roots and being able to afford to send me to someplace like Marquette and me having the grades that I could, I could have in high school is like, don't fuck this up. Don't throw this away. Go to college. Be a good kid. Be one of those people on TV that like, you know, with the tie and the thing and the, you know, um, and but 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 and so and so I, I did do that because I wanted it as much as they did. But there was no guilt or shame after as when I, I called her from a phone booth in a in the bar where Comedy Sports was at the time and 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 let her know, you know. And it was a six minute phone call. It was me doing a lot of apologizing and her being fine with it. it was, I moved on with the most important chapter of my life. Was that? Did you feel? Uh, bad to tell, like I mean, and or, or guilt. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I felt like a failure. I felt, I felt like a monster. I, 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 yeah. I, I felt like I was doing the wrong thing. I felt like I was doing it for the wrong reasons, kind of. But it just all felt like I don't have a choice, man. I tried. Like I can't, I can't do what I don't want to do. I try. I'm just bad at it. Like I, <laughs> it seems like such an asshole thing to say, but I did try, kind of. <laughs> Yeah, but I but it's like some people just don't. It they just don't fit into the right like college too. That's because like a lot of the brilliant people I know, were just like I can't do this, and they fucking bowed out and you know went down your road. Yeah, yeah. A big part of it was that I was surprised at how much like high school college was. I thought I always they I was I'd always been told the teachers always warned you, you know, when you get to college, you're going to be an adult. You know, yeah, I got to tell you when you're supposed to go to the bathroom, where you're supposed to go. You kids, you know, when you get to college, you're going to have a big wake up call. They're going to you're going to be responsible for keeping your own schedule and stuff. It wasn't it might that might have been true when they went to college. <laughs> like I went to Marquette in the 90s and fucking got there. and It was like, all right, everybody, uh, this is your assigned seat. And if you cut class uh, uh, more than twice i need a doctor's note and if you don't then your grade goes down one letter for each class you miss and this is a new thing called cooperative education you circle up your desks this group is in charge of everyone in the group's grade what what yeah your english grade is uh you six are gonna either are gonna pass or fail the class together by teaching each other i'm gonna read a magazine <laughs> it just it was more public high school it was just like this is oh i this isn't paper chase this isn't <laughs> this isn't like oh i gotta grow up this isn't like john cusack and uh you know uh the sure thing like i you know, the, the oxford bells ringing and like you 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 get to try to get laid in between classes running across green lawns and uh, i'll just cut that class or i'll move this one to here you know it was like it was just high school but you were living in a smaller bedroom <laughs> How was how was stand up when you first started doing it? Because some people are pretty good at it right away, and some oh, people terrible. Oh, terrible! Is it? It, it was such a bad job for me. Yeah, <laughs> I was awful. Did you stay awful, or did you like trend? Because then you transitioned the, to improv. Because I don't think I ever got better. I I, I do. Rem I have a couple memories of because I would go on the road, um, and open for. There was this guy, Brian Green, who's a stand-up in Milwaukee, and he, like, it was, 
you know, we there was one agent in Milwaukee who managed all the comics, and so she would book gigs from her basement office and like send you out. So if you're a young guy like me that had a car, like I was, it was you know, you I would make fifty dollars if I could if I would drive the headliner to someplace in Michigan and open an open for him and be his ride and kind of it was i I, rem- I remember being on a couple of those gigs and under brian's tutelage because i was just young and desperate and just reeking of like just artifice and like I, I was constantly asking people to validate me probably and I'm sure Brian at one point said, why don't you just fucking relax and just, you're either funny or you're not. I I think he would encourage me to let loose on stage. And I do remember a couple of college towns where the timing was right and the bar was filled with people my age and I didn't have enough material to do anything but just start babbling. And I remember in my head, I remember that being triumphant. I remember it. I remember feeling like, wait, why did I spend three weeks writing my bit about palm olive dish detergent that always gets a mild chuckle and that I've never laughed at when and then now I'm talking, talking to these people about how I feel and and, and Star Wars or whatever comes up. (laughs) And uh, and I'm getting real laughs like they're happy. They're glad that 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 something that they can't just see on their television or something that they weren't going to see in this bar tonight is happening. And, 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 and I but I bet if you if you were to find if you if we were able to like omnisciently go and observe those things, I'm sure it would be terrible. I'm sure. It'd be <laughs> but that, that was my memory of it was that I was like, oh, you know, I'm just I, don't, I can't I don't have the discipline. Like, like, I can't write stand up and then execute it. It's a t- an incredibly work intensive uh, solo craft. Yeah, it's a lot more fun to just go up there and shoot your mouth off. Yeah, which is a luxury that wasn't like readily afforded a lot of us until the podcast uh, era began. Yeah. Well, what made you split Milwaukee and go to L.A.? Was uh, it- did My you... friend Rob Schraub published a comic book on his kitchen table, and it got uh, uh, optioned by Oliver Stone's company. And so Rob and his business partner, Peter, and, uh, and I tagged along as an employee, said, oh, let's pack up and uh, let's publish our comic books from L.A. instead of Milwaukee so that we'll be there when they make this movie they're going to make and uh, we'll be, we'll get to write it and maybe we'll be in it and we'll help them move the cameras. And <laughs> like, we really were like, like, let's it was just like, yeah, Hollywood's ready for us. Let's get out there and help them out. And then we so we loaded up the U-Haul and headed out there. And and then we got out there and we're like, oh, they don't. <laughs> they don't want our help. Yeah, I know that story well. <laughs> yeah. And so then was that a complete transit? Because I mean, LA is a fucking kick in the teeth. Like you can come here, and it's. I had my first six months were. I was like, this town's fucking easy, and then yeah. then the floor dropped out, and I had like four years of just absolute desperation. Yeah, that's why I think it's good to come here young, uh, because then whatever city you you're already in. It's like, well, you, come on. It's it's hard to be 23. 
no matter where you are. So do it in a giant city if you intend to be one of these people that that wants to be a, a, a person that's in constant communication with everyone in the world. Yeah, like like, like you can't it, it be, before your psychological roots before you realize how cool Water Street is in Milwaukee before you even know your way around before before you stop getting lost every time you leave the house go do that where there's palm trees or <laughs> subways we are going to get back to this conversation with Dan Harmon in one bit but real quick if you would like to advertise on conversations with Matt Dwyer. You can have a one-episode advertisement for $100, or you can do four episodes for $300. Now, here's the bonus to advertising on my show. It'll be at the top of the show, and once it's up and out there in the world, that advertisement will exist for as long as Conversations with Matt Dwyer is on iTunes, which will be forever. And my new listeners, and it's documented that they go back and listen to all my old episodes. So... The repeated listening people will have of your advertisement for con on Conversations with Matt Dwyer is fucking infinite. So contact me through my website, themattdwyer.com, and we could begin a dialogue. How we can have your website or business or blog advertised on Conversations with Matt Dwyer. Also, go to my website and use the Amazon link and... Feral Audio gets a kickback of that money, as do I. I thank you for your support. Back to Dan Harmon. Were you that young when you came here? Yeah, I was like 22, 23. I had not, yeah, I didn't know. I, for some reason, I don't know. I just, you, I, when I became aware of you, it was already Dan Harmon. And so there was like I've been a mystique. Forever, yeah. <laughs> there was a, because I, I mean, I've had that four year kick in the teeth. I've had that, I've had those many times over. That happens. Yeah, I pondered robbing a liquor store once. I was so, <laughs> I was, and I was just like, it almost seemed like a good idea. I remember I would sit like, it was the most curious thing to like be sitting on a couch in an apartment, and and I, I remember clearly that the Daily Show would be what was on TV because the Daily Show would always begin with the date, and the date would be one number higher than yesterday and <laughs> yet i was doing it I, nothing had changed and it was always the signifier to me it was like september 17th 1998 or whatever it was and i would go fuck okay yeah one more day has passed and i, and I would i remember just sitting there and playing this weird dance between admitting that i was running out of money and that i had no more options like I would just, I I I, rem I remember I would visualize myself puking. I would sit on the couch <laughs> and watch the Daily Show, and I would I had a like a cartoon version of me in my head that was doing the physical thing that I that I thought maybe that I was afraid I would do if I let any of this happen to me emotionally. So I would see a cartoon version of myself vomit. Like go, I guess I was saying to myself, like, yeah, you're, you're nervous. <laughs> uh, so handle it the way Savage Steve Holland might, uh, in Better Off Dead or something. Like, 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 imagine a cute cartoon, or I just I had this distant projection of myself acknowledging what was going on while the physical part of me sat on the couch, watched The Daily Show, uh, and and just waited. For luck, 
and I guess did random creative stuff in the meantime. Do you feel like it was luck for you? It's got it's luck for everybody. I mean, there's I don't think there's a single person in the world that's that has earned uh being more fortunate than the average person. If you're doing better than most people, you better believe you're lucky. And and then it's just a matter of what you define as, you know, okay, why how were you lucky? Do you mean you were lucky because if you hadn't had dinner in the right restaurant at the right time or do you mean you're lucky because your brain has a little 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 droplet of green fluid instead of blue fluid in the in the balance that that makes your mental illness more marketable than <laughs> your cousins um in any case it's all luck um and certainly every all the things that were huge like deal makers for me i can backtrack all of them to the most serendipitous things it's not like but and i also think though that unlike building the great wall of china that's the nature of of the entertainment business you're not there's no wall you're building so you can't actually step back at the end of it and go see that wall it was this short last month it was that it was shorter than that the month before so the reason it's this high now is because of all the work i put into it um if you're if you're bruce willis you don't you can't say that what do you say see that see that see how i'm in eight diehard movies that's because <laughs> The first one, you know, I turned into a second one. It's like, okay, no, you were already Bruce Willis. Is that, is that, like he, he, if you if you ask him how did this all happen, he will inevitably tell you about a story that sounds like holy shit. If you had gone through one door instead of another, if you hadn't been bartending that night and someone else had filled in for you, then so and so wouldn't have come in and ordered that gin and tonic. Are you telling me, uh, Mark Hamill? What you wouldn't have been in Star Wars if you hadn't uh, picked up Harrison Ford from that carpentry job at the bus stop or whatever? It, it all—it's always going to come down to those stories. But that's because we audition for a living, we take chances for a living, we everything's ephemeral and nothing is. There's no walls involved. Do Do you think that this town is kind of a um? skewed view of what actually success is then because uh, a lot of people act like oh this shit's owed to me like there's a lot of people who are very entitled well yeah because there's a lot of rich people out here they come out here rich because you can't this that's where race and class come into it like and and uh, it, it, because you if you are in the midwest like you have to have a support system to to come out to la and roll and spin that roulette wheel it takes a lot of time to get lucky. Rich people have all the time in the world. People with rich parents. The richer you are, the, the, the more rich you were born, the, the longer you have to fuck around and, and, and take meetings and have things not pan out until something finally does. That's why in the you know, sedentary you know, parfait of, of, uh, of jobs out here – at the top of everything, the people who do the least, who are just like developing, and I'm the vice president of, of, of synchronicity and uh, synergy. <laughs> Those guys, yeah, their dads have never stepped foot in a trailer park unless it was to, you know, tear it down. And uh, <laughs> like, like, like they, you know, and the and then there's there's you have to be really lucky to be born poor and 
and be working in LA. You're going to be super lucky. And you have to be a lot less lucky to be born rich and be working in LA. So yes, there's a culture out here of I deserve this because these people don't even know what luck is. They were born lucky. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's strange. Just I've, with something I've dealt with, like I said, oh, I'm thinking about doing my podcast in a bookstore, and somebody said, "There's no money in that." I was like, <laughs> and I was like, "That's not the whole. That's not the reason." I was like, "I want to interview an author in a bookstore in front of a fucking audience. <laughs> like, why does money have to come into that?" And I don't. I mean, yeah. I, I've yeah. It's fu- the knee jerk. Like, yeah, don't do that. They, I, I, it would be more honest for. I, I've never even heard something that honest of like. There's no. <laughs> there's no money in it. Like, like at least that's them saying what's motivating them. A lot of times, what you hear is just something like, like, like bookstores. Bookstores don't work. <laughs> like, like, and you would be like, well, wait, you don't work for what purposes what do you mean and what they really mean is something that they're not willing to say which is that i'm i'm sorry i'm motivated by money so i don't understand what you're saying to me i was lucky enough to have an agent that that really believed in long cons you know uh, uh, like i i had my first agent at, at uta was ended up being like a partner at the firm and she she outgrew not only me but uta eventually um, and if you're, if you're an actor and that happens at UTA, you just get, you get put on the cut list and you're fucked. You're, you're now you gotta, you, now you gotta go to a different agency. If you're a writer and that happens because it doesn't cost anything to represent an a-, a writer that you're not actually representing, <laughs> your, 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 you know, your manila folder just falls down, uh, to the basement where a young hungry agent might pick you up and go, you know what? I'm I'm the I'm the you of being an agent right now. So let's do something together. And and at that stage of my career, um, my agent became this guy that was younger than me and hungry, and and, and was I, at the time I was doing this thing called Channel One Hundred One, which talk about doing a podcast from a bookstore. Like <laughs> <laughs> there's no money in Channel 101, never has been. Uh and never uh, and and but he at the time was like yeah, we're not talking about money. Like money the, the internet isn't monetizable right now. Nothing. We're in the wild west right now. And so he's like, yeah, I know I know these lonely island guys. I know this guy, I know that guy. Like like you guys should all he just kept encouraging all of us to do channel 101 stuff. Because he was looking ten years down the road, going like, if this pays off, it'll pay off in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. It'll pay off in friendships, relationships, industry shifts. Uh, it, it just it, it and if it doesn't, who cares? Because this is what you're passionate about. So there's who's the guy that's passionate about making money? How funny is his script? How, how, <laughs> Like, unless it's like, he sometimes it's like, oh, okay, this is a really funny script about how much you want to make money. Like, sometimes a guy like that will really come clean and he's like a one hit wonder. It's like, holy shit, this script is great. This guy's just talking about how he loves fucking money. Uh, write another one of those. And then it's like, now this one's about how much I like uh, mashed potato. <laughs> uh, but, but most of, most, <laughs> most likely, if you're, script or your stand-up act or your tv show idea are good it's you're probably not the same kind of guy as your agent who's like like how do i monetize this and a good agent can at least reconcile those two things and say you know what i like money 
but I'm not a stockbroker. I like I like money by way of talent. So I'm gonna let this guy. I'm gonna try to help this guy be talented. Have you had sort of? Uh, it sounds like you've had a lot of luck in that way. Of you have people supporting you and what you want to do. Which am, am I wrong in that? Because it seems like a lot of people in this business get a lot of it. No, they get no, or that's wrong, or thrown a bigger tits. I mean, there's two ways of looking at it. Yeah, I'm I'm lucky enough to have people that that, that support me in my life, or you can look at it and go like, oh, I. I've always been compulsive or brave enough to just I, I just can't do what I don't want to do. So I've had a million people tell me no, but and then I've I disappoint those people and they don't they go away. And so like the same as shaking sand through a silt, what do you call those things? Sifter? Sifter. Right. Like I say any process where iron filings and a magnetic field like like a little bit of jiggling and a lot of consistency patterns start to emerge things adhere where they're supposed to adhere so like if you if i were if i had if i had been unlucky in finding an agent and my agent was a guy that didn't get me i would have eventually he would have dropped me or i would have fired him but and there's been so many dozens and dozens of people whose paths I've crossed where it's like, well, this isn't, this isn't lucky. <laughs> We're not, we weren't meant to work together. And, and I, I don't really necessarily try to make it work in that case. I just, I just kind of, I'm just honest about what I want to do and, 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 and what my abilities are. And then like, let's get this over with. And then, and then it's all the faster that you can find the people that, that, that work for you. Cause I've, at least media wise you always seem very you're very uh, you say what you think about the business and whatnot and i'm always curious because there's some people who do that and it's like they get the fucking you, then you never hear them from again yeah. <laughs> and it's like you ha i don't know how that i don't know how you're one of those guys who can say what he th thinks where, where other people they're just like fuck off yeah, but if you really look at what I'm saying, when I'm saying what I think, it's like it's not the most controversial thing in the world. It's it really, I, I at the root of it is I'm saying I I hope I can do a good job and that people like me. I, I I've I've I speak my mind because I know I know for a fact that that if you hooked me up to a lie detector, a mind reader, a, like <laughs> like I, if you hooked me up with, next to ten other people, like the contents of my mind are going to be the least shocking to you <laughs> because the other nine guys, Hey, they haven't offended you yet. They've, they've, they've told you that they're they're that they want to balance the budget. They, but they want to rape a little boy. <laughs> and I'm not like that. I, if I wanted to rape a little boy, I would find a way to let you know, I, 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 because I wouldn't be able to live with that. Like, 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 in my head, I can't. I'm too lazy to keep track of that. Like, like, to to think one thing and say another. I'm fortunate enough to not be cursed with that particular desire. I won't say it again. Uh, but, but, like, 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 I, I don't. My desire is to make people happy. So, so, so. Even though, yes, saying what you think instead of like processing it for a long time first um, is mostly detrimental to the average individual, it's l always been less so to me because 
I am such a simple minded person. I am so just, I have not yet outgrown the impulse to simply run into the living room in my pajamas and jump up and down and make all my parents, friends from work applaud. I never got beyond that. So like, there's no, <laughs> you're not going to find like anything in there. Like, it's, 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 like, like, and, and, and so I just, I just say it, I just say what I'm thinking. I get more results from that. Do you feel like that people, the, that sort of people talking about it and stuff that all got blown out of proportion? Cause I honestly, I didn't read a lot of that stuff. I just, mm -hmm. I would hear jackasses talking and I was like, Oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah. It always does. I mean, there's, there's every, every, everything, every person's story has to be summarized in a way. So if you didn't, if you weren't invested in me, which why would you be you, if you heard anything about me, you just go, Oh yeah, he's, it would be characterized in some way. You go like, Oh, he's, he's belligerent or volatile. Or that, like, like they use this word that means, what does it mean? Uh, he's, it probably means he has Asperger's or he, like, <laughs> he, he, he I, I don't know. He's different. He doesn't, I don't know. People don't, it, it doesn't work out with him. It does. He, uh, he's weird. He weirds me out. It, I don't like him. <laughs> uh, it, you can't put that in a, that doesn't make sense journalistically. You can't say he's weird. <laughs> the weird Harmon, the, we, the weird, the, the organic Harmon, the compulsively honest Harmon, the awkward Harmon. It makes more sense to just say Harmon, who has a reputation for being difficult. That in turn, then you go, oh, reputation for being difficult. That must mean he throws his Starbucks cup at the PA. Because you reverse engineer in your head, what does it mean to be difficult in a business that where everyone is just trying to make people happy? Um, you don't imagine somebody who's trying to make people so happy that it's uh, difficult. <laughs> you imagine someone who's like, I asked for decaf and throwing a thing. Um, and, and along the way, nothing is said by any outside source um, except me. And, you, and, if you, and so people quote my blog. And what do I say about myself? I'm a fat alcoholic piece of shit loser <laughs> asshole sexist racist uh close-minded open-minded uh, fucking piece of slimy poop laden shit <laughs> flies all over me I hate myself everyone crucify me I fucking like I'm just going to say I'm just going to head for the lowest spot like water to be safe <laughs> Like, I'm not going to fucking compete with people who are good at making you like them. I'm going to be like, fuck you. I never said I was a good person. Be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> uh, I, I, why would I be a writer if I thought that I could trade on the, tink, the, the gleam in my eye, the sparkle in my teeth? <laughs> The timber in my voice, the assuredness in my diction. Like, I, I became a writer because I'm made of shit, and I want you to forget about that through my writing. <laughs> but I also think that you saying that is partly why people respond to you, like why you have such a huge following. Among people who give me a chance and like it, yes. Ain't it ironic and both poetic, <laughs> and yeah, it's all working out. It always has. <laughs> It's worked out this way since I was in sixth grade, really. Like, it's, you know. Oh, Dan Harmon, he's difficult. Well, wait a minute. What do you mean he's difficult? I think he's a victim then. Oh, hey, I'm just special. Okay. Next level. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just... I'm just doing what, sucking my thumb and then hugging the blanket that, that's been working for forever. I, I'm neither good nor bad. I'm not, like, it's just a simple way of doing things. Like, 
know who you are, say who you are, never be guilty of thinking one thing and saying another. Try, try, try. Not that you have to say everything you're thinking. Like if your friend says this is a nice haircut, the answer is yes. Like don't, (laughs) they can't change it. We all know that stuff. Like, like they can't change their hair. So don't, and you're not a fucking hair expert. So say, yes, it's a good haircut. Like like that's the important information that's there. Cause it is, you don't know. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) But, but uh, if you, so, so don't always just barf out like uh, your dumb opinions that are unfounded. Um, That's not honesty. That's just, maybe it's truth, but not honesty, but, but just say, how you really feel, tend your own garden, say, this is what I'm afraid of. This is what I want to do. And let everyone that doesn't like that get the fuck away from you as quickly as possible. Get out of here. Yes, I offended you. Get, 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 spare yourself more pain. <laughs> get out of here. And then that space will be filled by somebody who's like, what were you saying? Like, like, And, and not even what were you saying, because it's not like you're will rogers or harvey milk you're not like like what were you doing over here oh i'm just just saying what's in my head oh you you can do that yeah i i think you can i'm gonna do that oh well i i'm wandering over here because i felt like you can't do that and i had just had a horrible experience with that so i'm gonna focus on you because i feel like that's a more important message you know that's what i want to believe uh I want to because you mentioned podcasting earlier, and you've been a big supporter of uh, podcasting. Like you were, I don't know. for obvious reasons. The same way you know, uh, young Forrest Gump was a big supporter of leg braces. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 this is my saving grace. <laughs> was it? it Eventually, was a... maybe I'll run until they fall off. But <laughs> for now, I. What do you mean it was a saving grace? Uh, well, because podcasting is, it, it's stand up without material. It's, it's people talking. It's, it's people, it's, you get rewarded in podcasting for the things you used to get punished for, 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 uh, high volume, uh, <laughs> low quality <laughs> prattling. Uh, people want to gobble it up, like while they're cutting their carrots and driving to work. They, 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 they like it if you have something out once a week. They, they would take that over once every two weeks with an accent on, you know, production value. They want, it, <laughs> they want, they want people. They want people that they can have relationships with, and they, they want them, they want them on a, on as regular a basis as they can get them. It's strange because it's in a time where so much shit is fast, fast, fast. Here's my three minute video, blah, 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 and it's like podcasts are. Here's an hour of people yeah. talking, and it's to me, it's kind of a saving grace for us, yeah, humanity, a bit, because it's like here's a slow art form that takes its time. It would have been hard to predict. I, I know, I, as a, as the founder of Channel 101, which was five minute videos, and I remember everyone, all the amateur filmmakers back then, going uh, five minutes. Because we, we used to do short film festivals where it was like seven minutes, 14 minutes. And it was like Rob and I kept whittling it down going like, you know what? Can't, five minutes, guys. You guys, like, really, you know you could have cut two minutes out of this. And let's let's just force them to do it. And I remember everybody being like, five minutes? You want to tell a story in five minutes? And so I, 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 I always – I just kind of thought, okay, 
bandwidth is going to increase. Fidelity of video and audio technology is going to increase. Everything's going to get shorter and shorter and shorter. You're going to be watching 17-second stories on your thumbnail um, while you pick your nose. <laughs> and then by the time you – and then when you flick the booger, it deletes off of your <laughs> thumb. Um, in the meantime, this crazy thing happened, which is radio, uh, but on the internet because of the curious – it's almost, I almost wonder if it's like because you hear about how American uh, internet like bandwidth is so much lower than in third world countries because of the capitalism gone awry there. Like, I wonder if it's a, if that's an accident of that that because it's like we never got, we but we didn't get a chance to leap into amateur television on the internet. If we did, we'd have half hour ploys to be part of your busy busy life instead of what we developed which is this liquid that pours down between the cracks of your life the 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 place that podcasting occupies is like mortar it's like like i said it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna make this salad in my kitchen so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna have 25 minutes when i'm you know i'm gonna be looking at other shit so i'm gonna listen to you know, uh, radio lab and then, and then uh, you know, pause it. Okay. I'm done with the salad. And then you're driving into work the next day. It's like, okay, I'm going to listen to the rest of that radio lab. And then and that's extended to just, there's just people just Doug Benson talking to you about getting high and, and, uh, Rob Delaney, uh, talking about cookies. I don't know. What, what does he talk about? Does he have, <laughs> does he have a podcast? Rob Delaney is one of the few comedians who doesn't have a podcast. I okay. Think. Well, Rob Delaney, come on. You, I, you know you love cookies. Get on, get on this. <laughs> I actually think he doesn't like podcasts. It doesn't matter. Well, he's the king of Twitter, right? So he, yeah, he, yeah, he he's look. He looks at podcasts as like a big sand trap. <laughs> and he's like, why is that there? <laughs> get that out of there! I'm trying to golf here. <laughs> do you is it? Do you find people who listen to your podcast who kind of feel like? I mean, they feel like they know you, like. Oh, is there God, an over familiarity? That's an sometimes? understatement. Yeah. No, there's not an over because they do know me. They, I mean, yeah. That, yeah, there's no, I don't, I mean, somebody that comes up and says, like, hey, I'm a big fan of your podcast. And it, and then if they follow that up with an, uh, some personal expression, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go, hey, man, <laughs> you don't know me. I'm like, well, no, I, yeah, you do know me. I told you that I put a Sharpie pen up my ass when I jerked off and, you know, you know, you know me more than a lot of people. Like, I, my girlfriend comes on my podcast so that she's, <laughs> so that the, she doesn't fall behind. <laughs> uh, that's where I get to know people. That's the friendship that counts. So, yes, I, and I, I do think that that's what's for sale with podcasting. I've heard stories. Uh, my, my girlfriend now, fiance, who like she was really into podcasting. Um, as a listener, and she has stories about meeting people like Duncan Trussell and uh, I don't know who else she would listen to. And she she told me stories about how, oh, God, I fucked up. I ran into him and I I forgot that I don't know him. And so I just I'm talking to him and then all of a sudden I'm like, what are you doing? You're a fan. You're a stranger. Why what you and, and, and I was like, oh, that, that kind of sunk into my head. I was like, oh, yeah, that's that reminded me of when I would come home from school and my mom would be she used to sew 
and um, she would have the uh, home shopping club on the TV in the living room while she was in her room sewing. And she never bought anything because we were broke, but my she just became addicted at a certain point to the home shopping club. Why? Because it was just the audio of these people. They're going to be there every time at that regular schedule. They have names. They have their real names. And they're speaking off the cuff. And so they're unmistakably human. And um, the same way a baby responds to white noise in its crib because it reminds them of arterial flow in the in the womb, like a human being like is not accustomed to being so shut out from like the sound of another person living their life talking saying stuff so my mom's sewing in the one room and like shoot i would come home and it, it was like she had graduated from the from the weed of soap operas to the freebasing of home shopping network <laughs> it was just like fuck it i just we know what we want here we know what chemical we want and so she would go like oh daphne's doing the jewelry hour you know, she's oh, she gives a toot to everyone who asks for a toot. Like she, she <laughs> honks a bicycle horn if you buy a ring. That she knew all the ins and outs of these personalities. She knew all their names. She had relationships with them. So, and then Aaron, my fiance, said that that had happened to her accidentally while listening to podcasts. And sure enough, that's that's what we're talking about. We're talking about connections between real people. Um, and the, and the less, the more scripted the podcast is. So you got radio lab. Okay. I learned a lot about daddy long legs today. And I do feel like if I, I'd like to buy Jad Abenrod a beer, but like, um, I also know that there's artifice there and I'd probably find out something about him that I didn't want to know, or I would disappoint him in ways that I didn't, couldn't predict that's one end of the spectrum because it's fully scripted. Then you go all the way to the other end and it's like, you just, if you just have some Yahoo eating a sandwich going, mm, the sandwich is good. <laughs> uh, I got a crumb on my balls. Uh, if you can, if you can cross a threshold into a relationship with that guy, he's, you know, he's real. He's got crumbs on his balls. <laughs> yeah. Duncan Trussell gets emails like, Hey, you were kind of angry on this. Like, people will be disappointed that he, like, you shouldn't be, because, you know, he comes off as that spiritual thing with that show. Not right. like, but it's like sort of his, and people get, like, really bummed out if he steps out of character. Yeah. Or like a, yeah, a very specific, yeah, I could see, like, it's funny because Duncan, Duncan and my audience is, like, definitely probably overlap a huge deal. Um, uh, but I, I feel like the play, the place where they absolutely don't overlap is that Duncan's audience, like they're uh, they're really into the spiritual stuff and probably would are really turned off by like aggressive, like kind of opinionated shit. Like oh you you know you've kind of violated like the sanctity <laughs> of like like you know being cool. You know like you kind of judged that guy too much and I. I feel like my audience is like they're very atheistic, like they skew very like skeptical, and and I find myself like kind of like uh, I feel their eyes rolling at me when when I say, <laughs> you know, like God got me to work on time yesterday. Like, I can't, I can't. And they're, they're like, yeah, you know what? He doesn't really like the, the the Reddit conversations are like I don't like it when he talks about that. It's just, it's kind of ridiculous and. <laughs> They're they're more logic based and like they 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 actually I think I think they might like a little bit of like when I get outraged about something because it's sort of like a nerd Hulk out or something. But yeah, you can't use people. 
they form a friendship with you, and then it's like, uh, like, oh shit, that's not my friend talking. Like, <laughs> guess what? I mean, your friend is, you know, has his different moods too. I feel like I'm so not a part of my, like, I'm such a small part of my show that I never have people being like, hey, I know you. It's just they're just like, oh, I like what you did. But that's a different. I mean, but there's you, probably all your your fans are that's the religion around them. Like they're going to go think like if you talked too much and <laughs> like they'd be like, Hey, you kind of got a little gonzo in that interview. Uh, what do you, all of a sudden you're Morgan Spurlock. Why don't you take the, you know, that's, that's not the Dwyer. I'm a, I'm a, what do they call themselves? Dwyer, Dwyer sheets. What are the, what's, <laughs> Dwyer what, are, sheets, what are your yeah. fans? I'm going to start. Welcome mats. What are they? <laughs> Matt, 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 Pat, Matt, Matt, <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt Hats, Matt Hatters. <laughs> How are we on time? We're done, right? Close. Um, I mean, yeah, it's we we have infinity. We, we, we have, yeah, we have your hard drive. <laughs> um, is your it, is it weird to be on the other like to, that struggle and to be in the success? Do you look back and be like, holy fuck? I pulled something off, like, or because when you were saying earlier, this is actually more of what I went. Uh, when you're the way you were talking about it being luck and how it just does that in a weird way keep you grounded from? Because it seems, yeah, definitely. I don't want to make any crazy choices. Like right now, I could do for the first and probably last time in my career, I could do, I could try to do almost literally anything, right now, and be a little bit supportive in it. There, I would. I, I, I could I could launch just in theory. I'm just using this as an absurd example. I could launch an acting career from here. I could go like I'm gonna just start auditioning for Mad TV type shows. And, <laughs> uh, uh, like like I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make me as an actor happen. Like there would be a, some people out there would be like, okay, all right, well let me help you out with that and let's see what happens. And there, there'd be a lot of other people that would silently roll their eyes and go, oh god. So so like right now. I could write a book. I could write a movie. I could, I could write, try another TV show. I could, I could, I could, and, the, and all the subsets of that. So I have to worry about like, what, what, uh, how do I fuck that up? Like, 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 because that's not something you're supposed to be able to do. You're supposed to do what you have to do. You're not supposed to, I don't know what I want to do. So that definitely grounds me to the point of paralysis at this point because if i if i have eight things i could do right now and i do one of them i'm not doing seven of them and i've never been in that situation before like i've never i've never turned my back on seven things before i've always only had the one thing you know in front of me i don't know <laughs> i'm never i'm never gonna stop i'm gonna go to go to my grave going like like ah, i think i fucked up but I also like. I'm looking forward to that. That'll be fun too. Like, I ah, fuck, I ah, f- ah, fucked up my life. <laughs> I didn't do it right. <laughs> if I say that into a tape recorder and upload it somewhere, someone will go, "Oh, that's yeah, I, I felt that way." Thank you. All right, we'll end there. Is there anything? I mean, probably most of my listeners know who the hell you are, but and where to find you? Do you? I'm a I'm a Matt Hatter. Uh, <laughs> I should of, start having a Dwyer sheet. Uh, <laughs> I should Dwyer. start having uh, the guests say that. <laughs> Every like bad radio plugs. 
Uh, uh, well, yeah, if you, uh, I mean, Rick and Morty, watch it and watch, find find the reruns. I think on Adult Swim, uh, we're working on season two right now. Um, listen to Harmon Town, the podcast, and uh, keep your eyes peeled for the for the documentary about that podcast going on the road. I when think, does that come out? I think we just sold it to a, a distributor. I think so. I, it'll be. It'll be one of those thea- small theatrical release followed by you can get it anywhere you want um, things. Okay. <laughs> it, it'll, I don't know really the timetable. <laughs> couple months. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. Please follow me on Twitter, uh, Matt underscore Dwyer. Go to the iTunes, uh, go to iTunes, write a review for me, give me a bunch of stars. If you do so, screenshot it. Email it to me at conversations with Matt Dwyer or write to me through my website, thematdwyer.com, and I will send you a Conversations with Matt Dwyer sticker. Uh, you can donate money if you like. Go to the Feral Audio Conversations with Matt Dwyer page and uh, donate some money or use the Amazon link. Uh, thank you very much for listening. You have no idea how much this means to me. I love doing podcasting and listen to my older episodes. And as one of my first guests, Black Panther Pete O'Neill said, power to the people. Thank you. National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.